At one time or another in all of our lives, we face criticism. Now, I'm not talking about the constructive kind. I'm talking about the personal attacks. Sometimes they come in the form of gossip, maybe rumors, maybe innuendo. Uh, All of them with the same intention. That's to intimidate, to destroy our self-esteem, to get us to quit. The Bible tells us when the enemy brings those kind of attacks, it's to get us to compromise in what God has called us to do. Hi, I'm Pastor Rusty Gunther, First Baptist Church of Blowing Rock. Today's message is number 11 in our Nehemiah series, Repair, Rebuild, and Restore. It comes to us from Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to look at the whole chapter. And the title is Strategies for Standing Strong. The idea is to help us identify the attacks that Nehemiah came under as he strived to be obedient to God and how he withstood those attacks because the attacks that he dealt with are the same kind of attacks that you and I face today. But God gives us some encouragement that we can overcome, that we can become who he's called us to be. I hope you enjoyed today's message. This was taped in our 11 o'clock service on Sunday, April the 28th. Now we'll join in progress. Amen. We have a Bible turned to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. Several weeks ago, Margaret Thatcher passed away. For those of you that don't know, she was the first female prime minister in Great Britain's history. She was also the longest serving prime minister of the 20th century. And for many, uh, she was a great leader, if not one of the greatest leaders in the last 100 years of our history. Uh, What amazed me is that as she passed away, uh, the emotion that was expressed towards her passing away, both the love and the hatred. Uh, You see, there was no middle ground. She was a very polarizing figure, but she wasn't polarizing because she was a woman. She wasn't polarizing because she was really conservative. She was polarizing because she held to a certain standard set of beliefs, and she allowed those beliefs to lead her as she led Great Britain. And because of that stand, because of her commitment to her system of beliefs, people either loved her or hated her. You see, whether you liked or disliked her, no matter what your politics was, you had to admire someone who was willing to stick by their belief system, regardless of the consequences, regardless of what the world throws at them. Uh, In a day when so many public figures are willing to be led by polls, when they're willing to be led by sticking their finger in the air, I think it's admirable and it's missing for us to have leaders that are willing to stand by their convictions, uh, whether we agree or disagree, and they're willing to let those convictions guide their lifestyle. You see, all of us that have ever been placed in a place of leadership, all of us that have ever been placed uh, over others or have ever made a stand recognize that there are always good times and there are always bad times. Uh, you're either loved or you're hated. You're either accepted or you're rejected. There is no middle ground when you become a leader. You're either admired or disliked. And all of us have been in those positions before. And I found it ironic that even in her death, the people that disliked her were even more outspoken than they had been during her time as prime minister. She'd been out of office for 20 years. Uh, and, and at her funeral, her 
American granddaughter read the passage that I read to you earlier from Ephesians chapter 6. I found it telling and both uh, ironic and direct that she would choose this passage to read because it really spelled out what Margaret Thatcher's life was about. As Paul said, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world. Put on the full armor of God so that when you've done everything else, you'll be willing to stand. I think that's what her life represented. Paul warns us that in life, all of us are going to face opposition, that all of us that stand on principle are going to have people that come against us, people that are going to try to have us back down, have us settle, have us compromise. But Paul encourages us that we're to stand. You see, when you commit yourself to a life of faith, When you declare yourself before God and man to be a follower of Christ and commit yourself to walk that walk, regardless of what the world says, you better be ready for the attacks. You better be ready for the opposition. Because the moment that you stand up for your principles, the moment you stand up for your beliefs, the enemy will unleash an attack on you like you've never faced before. Many of us in this room can testify personally to these types of attacks. That's why Paul was encouraging the church at Ephesus, stand, stand. Now in our study in Nehemiah, he has faced opposition. He has faced struggles, but he is about to face an attack like he's never faced before. Because you see, the enemy understands that if he can get us to slow down or if he can beat us down, if he can bring doubt, then he can cause us to compromise. And while Paul tells us our enemies are not flesh and blood, the enemies that you have are not the people around you, the people that may oppose you or may attack you, we need to recognize this morning that the enemy does use people in our lives to serve his purposes. But we also need to recognize that God has a purpose for us facing difficulties. See, no one ever promised us that standing for Jesus Christ would be easy. No one ever promised us that standing for the principles that Christ puts forth in this book would be simple, would be without opposition. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. And I I believe we've grown spoiled in our North American Christianity. We find it to be opposition when others would turn their back on us or when they might make fun of us on TV or when they may laugh at something that we stand for. While on this very morning, people around the world have guns put to their heads simply because they claim the name Jesus Christ. So you and I need to understand that the Bible teaches that to stand on your principles, to stand on the truth of the Word of God, is costly. It may cost you something. C.K. Chesterton, who was a great philosopher at the last hundred years, very influential on C.S. Lewis's life, said the Christian life and standing on your principles has not been tried and found wanting, It's been found difficult and untried. I think that's true in our lives today. And You see what Nehemiah is going to teach us this morning is that when we come against opposition, when we face struggles, if we are to do anything, it's to stand on what we believe. You see, all of the attacks that Nehemiah faced, you remember, uh, if you missed any of the study, I encourage you to go to our website and listen to the podcast. The incredible story of how God has called Nehemiah to this vision, and this vision is almost complete, and because of that, the attacks are going to take. But what I want you to see real quickly this morning is how the enemy attacks 
Because he's very similar in how he attacked Nehemiah and how he attacks us and what we're supposed to do about it. So Nehemiah chapter 6. Let's, let's start chapter 6 verse 1. When the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, that's the three stooges. They've been around the whole time, been throwing slings and arrows at Nehemiah. Geshem the Arab, the rest of my enemies, that I had rebuilt the walls and not a gaffle was left in it. Though up to that time I had not set the doors. Now, why is Nehemiah coming under attack now? Why is it, are the, all three of these guys coming together to, to really attack him? It's simply because he's almost completed with his task. You see, what you need to understand that the most vulnerable time in your life is the moment right before the greatest breakthrough in your life. The most vulnerable time in your life when you are open to attack from the enemy, when you are open to discouragement, when you are open to to the things of this world is the moment before you experience your greatest victory because it's at that moment that the enemy attacks the hardest. Because as you are beginning to complete your vision, your calling, whatever it is that God's called you to do, that is when the enemy tries to throw everything, one last ditch effort to get you to stop. Nehemiah's almost through. The wall's been complete. All that's left is the celebrating and the hanging the doors. And these enemies recognize that they've got to do everything they can to stop him. But that, it was even more than that. You see, they also recognize that while they may not be able to stop the walls, they might could stop Nehemiah. Because, you see, Nehemiah was more than they bargained for. They thought they were getting a, a contractor to build the wall. What they got was a man of God that was wanting to see God's vision restored to Jerusalem. And it was more than they can handle. You see, sometimes in our lives, the the opposition to us, the attacks come when we begin to stand on the principles and, and the people around us, even those that were close to us, even those that encouraged us, feel threatened by that stand. See, they're threatened by Nehemiah. They, they wanted somebody to come and uh, be what they wanted him to be, to come and to listen to them, somebody they could control, somebody they could manipulate. And the moment they realized that wasn't going to happen, they had to stop him. You see, in the Bible, there's story after story of, of believers who have been attacked at the moment of victory, or even worse, I think, and we'll find in Nehemiah's life, uh, some, the greatest attack comes right after a victory. It's what happened to Elijah on Mount Carmel. He experienced a a great revival of God, and then the attacks came. I know in my life, some of the greatest discouragement comes after some of the greatest mountaintop victories. The hardest time for most pastors is Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. After a great morning with God, after God speaks to people, after God is moving the life of his people, you go, and all of a sudden the enemy comes to root discouragement. And for some of you, it's like that. You've achieved something for the kingdom, and you've done something, and all of a sudden, the attacks came, and it caused you to give up. So how does the enemy attack? Well, there's a couple of methods I want you to see, because they're the exact same methods that you and I face today. Some of you will recognize them. Some of you will realize how it happens. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. And Sambat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono, the plain of Ono, about 20 miles outside of Jerusalem. They say, hey, listen, you, you got it all wrong, Nehemiah. We, we just want to talk to you. Why don't you come and visit with us? But Nehemiah says, they were scheming to harm me. So I sent a messenger to them with this reply. For I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. 
You see, what were they trying to do? Well, they were trying to get Nehemiah away from his place of strength, away from his protection, out of the community so that they could harm him. You see, one of the greatest attacks that the enemy will bring against you is to isolate you. See, the devil knows that if he can get you away from those that encourage you, those that bless you, those that support you, that you are vulnerable to attack. If he can get you away from the church, if he can get you away from the body of believers that bless and encourage you, you are open to being attacked. You are vulnerable. And if he can't get you away physically, he tries to get you away mentally. He tries to tell you you're all alone. No one's on your side. No one supports you. See, isolation is a dangerous place because we've already learned that there is power in community. There is power in relationships. There is power in the body. That's why I always encourage people to get involved in small groups, to get involved in a Sunday school class, to get involved in one of our discipleship groups because that is a place of community. Nehemiah says here in verses 2 and 3, I can't prove this is a trap, but I prayed about it, and God gave me supernatural discernment. Discernment means the Holy Spirit reveals the real truth to you. See, Nehemiah said, I'm not going to make any decisions until I pray. And then God showed him, these guys are up to no good. They're just out to distract. They're just out to attack. And I love how he responded to them. He said, I've got a job to do. If it's important for you to meet with me, you come see me. You see, you need to recognize, you need to be on your guard that the enemy will try to isolate you. Try to pit you against your spouse, pit you against your kids, try to attack you at work, try to attack you in your friendships. Because if he can get you isolated, he can tempt you to fall. They tried to isolate him. And then the second attack was just right after the first. It said four times they attacked. The enemy doesn't give up four times. But on the fifth time in verse 5, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message, let's meet. But he also had an unsealed letter in which was written this. Now, an unsealed letter means that that was something that was made public. You see, before they kept it quiet. Their attacks were on the down low. They were trying to go under so no one would understand. But now they decided to take it public. And they tried not only to try to isolate him, but also they use insinuation. You see, what they're about to do is spread some rumors. And they're about to question his motives. And they're about to use gossip to try to destroy him. Look at what the letter says. And some of you will recognize this. It is reported among the nations. Do you recognize that phrase? It is reported among the nations. Now, we don't say that now. How would we say? People are talking. Has anybody ever said that to you? I I heard someone say, uh, people have told me. You see, what, what you need to understand is that gossip always starts without any discernible source. See, there's no source to this. What he's saying is, hey, listen, we've heard people talking. Because you see, what happens when people say that to you, they are trying to help you understand that there is a group of people against you and you are on your own. See, gossip is is dangerous. It's malicious. Rumors and gossip are trying to weaken his resolve. See, dealing with rumors and gossip is difficult. It hurts. It hurts, it can discourage, it can cause you to quit, it can cause you to run away. And the dangerous thing of gossip, the dangerous thing of innuendo, the dangerous thing of rumors is even those that aren't affected by it are affected by it. I've seen people leave churches not because they were gossiped about or not because they gossiped, but because they had to listen to it all the time. And it discouraged them and it hurt their spirit. See, it always starts with this innuendo. Gossip's always going to start with this idea of, of, you know, people are talking. It's been said. 
You want to get people to, to stop that? If anyone ever comes to you and says, I heard it said, or people have told me, or some people are saying, you know how to stop that? Look at them and say, listen, can I quote you on that? I'm going to use your name from here. No more people have said. I'm going to say, this person told me. Is that okay? Because they'll say, oh, well, I, I don't know for sure, right? Then why are you saying it? So they're trying to tear him down. He says, and, and Geshem says, this is not true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. You see, here's the second thing. They take a little bit of the truth, and they exaggerate it and twist it for their own purposes. You see, gossip and rumors and innuendo always has a little kernel of the truth. Are they building the wall? Yes, we're building the wall. Why? To glorify God. And the, the accusers say, no, they're building the wall because they're going to revolt. When you were a kid, did you ever play that game gossip when you were at parties where you would get in a circle or you'd get in a line and somebody would have a truth and they'd tell it to this person and then they'd tell it to this person and then they'd tell it to this person and by the time it got to the end of the circle, it was nothing like what had been said, right? It's amazing the way things spread. All you've got to do is throw out a question. All you've got to do is question someone's motives and it destroys the truth. You see, gossip doesn't want to know the truth. It also lacks the whole story. You see, what happens with gossip is it doesn't understand the context. It doesn't understand the motives. It doesn't even really understand what happened. It says, moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become the king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. For there is a king in Judah. And now this report is going to get back to the king, so you better come and confer with us. See, what are they doing? They're using gossip to intimidate him to do what they want him to do. Using gossip to scare him. See, the thing about gossip is it's always shared in the wrong setting. Where's gossip shared? It's shared in the hallways. It's shared on the phone. It's shared in the dark alleys. It's shared at the post office. shared in the Sunday school classrooms. Where should it be shared? Face-to-face with the person you're talking about. That's the biblical way. You see, I think a lot of gossip would stop. A lot of innuendo would stop. If we, on the back of our phones, had the verse where Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is encouraging and uplifting. You see, don't you understand that the enemy uses our words, uses our innuendo to attack and destroy what God is trying to do? I've seen more godly committed young men and young women who are striving to serve God, more great churches, more great ministries, destroyed by gossip and rumor than immorality ever did. You see, we need to understand that it destroys they were trying to get their way through gossip. I love what Nehemiah did. Look, look what he says. I send him this reply. This is so simple. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up in your head. Now, that, you know, that sounds basically what Nehemiah says is, here, I got a letter for you. Liar. What did he do? He put the truth out there. You see, what happens when gossip, do you know how to, how to stop gossip and rumor in any window? Put the truth out there. And stand up for the truth. See, so many of us, we think when people are talking about us, or people are spreading rumors around us, or we, we think it's just going to go away. It's just going to die down. I just, no, it doesn't. Sometimes you have to stand up for the truth. Nehemiah said, I'm not going to defend myself. Nothing in this letter does he say, you hurt my feelings. You did this. You did. He says, that's not the truth. So you need to confront the, 
the lie and then stand on your integrity. Say, listen, my life speaks for the truth. He said, that's not the truth. And then look what he does. He says, they are just trying to frighten us into thinking that our, our hands will get weak at the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed to God and I strengthened my hands. You see, not only did he stand up for truth, but then he went to God. See, the greatest weapon you have when you're under attack at school, at work, at home, when you're facing opposition, is to get on your knees. He said, God, give me the strength. Listen, anyone that's ever had to deal with gossip and innuendo and hurt knows it's painful. It can leave scars. He says, God, protect my heart. God, help my heart. Give me strength. He said, what a great lesson for you and I. Nehemiah doesn't worry about trying to defend his honor. God will take care of that. He said, I'm going to speak the truth. I said, you need to understand there's a difference between self-examination and accusation. Sometimes it's good to look at ourselves and see our motives. and exam- But accusations are painful and usually wrong and always destructive. They tried to isolate. They tried to insinuate. And if that wasn't enough... They used another tactic that we see all the time from the enemy. Look at verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut up at his house. Now Shemaiah is one of Nehemiah's friends. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are going to kill you. So what's he doing? He's trying to intimidate him. The very word intimidate means to elicit fear. You see, what Nehemiah's own friend is doing is he is trying to cause him to fear for his life so that he'll stop standing for what God's called him to. One of the greatest attacks that you'll face in your life is fear. What if I lose my job? If I lose my friends? What if I lose my family? What if I lose my reputation? What if, I, what if people uh, won't hang out with me anymore? What if I won't get this anymore? And you see, what happens to fear is fear opens the door to compromise. And that's exactly what they're about to do to Nehemiah, except they're going to do it in the guise of spirituality. You see, you need to recognize that a lot of times in our life, the enemy will use a trusted friend to attack you closest. Now, I know this is painful for some people because some of you have been there. A lot of times the enemy will come in to those closest to you and use them to cut you the deepest. Doesn't mean you just quit friendship. But listen, Jesus had 12 close friends and one of them turned his back on him and just betrayed him. It's the same with you and I. This man that Nehemiah trusted was in the pay of Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And sometimes you need to recognize that the enemy might even use spiritual language in their attack. See, what did he say to him? Let's go to the temple. You'll be protected in the temple. See, we, the Bible says that the enemy comes and likes to couch itself, likes to disguise itself as an angel of light. I've heard the most hateful attacks against other believers in spiritual language. See, what did they tell him? Look, look what they try to convince him of. It, it happens in our life, and it's tough to get it in the translation. 
They want him to go to the temple and lock himself in. Here's Nehemiah's response. But I, but I said, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. For I realized that God had not sent him, but he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For he had been hired to intimidate me, fear, so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. You see, what the whole idea, here's the picture. People are coming to kill you. I love you. You're my friend. You can trust me. The best thing we can do, go and hide in the temple. Spiritual. God will surely protect you in the temple. But you see, Nehemiah knew that the truth said that no one could spend the night in the temple but the priest. And he was not a priest. And he realized that what they were causing for protection of his life, they wanted him to compromise the truth of the word. And the enemy does the same thing to you and I. What he does is he tries to bring fear into your spirit and he knows that if he can get you to compromise in just one little area out of fear, well, I'm trying to protect myself. I've got to protect my family. I've got to protect my job. I've got to protect my reputation. Who knows what can happen? I'm just going to compromise just a little. You need to understand there's another word for compromise. Sin. And it destroys. Nehemiah said, I'm not going to do it. Bible says he stood on his principles just like what Paul said to the church at Ephesus and then look what he does you know a minute ago I told you that he he prayed and then he stood on principle here's the third answer to your enemies look what he says in verse 14 remember to buy and send ballot oh my God because of what they have done remember the prophecies Nobadiah and the rest of the prophets who have tried to intimidate me you know what he did he gave them over to God It's the hardest thing for believers to do. See, when somebody attacks you, when somebody opposes you, we want to stand up and wave our flag and attack them back. But that's not our enemy. Those people are not your enemy. It's not flesh and blood. What did Nehemiah say? He said, I'm going to stand on the truth and let my integrity speak. I'm going to go to God and pray. And then here in verse 14, he says, and then I'm going to take my hands off it and let God take care of those people. You got people that are coming against you, people that oppose you, people that are attacking you, people that are tearing you down, people that have caused you to quit. You know the greatest thing you can do? Give them to God. It's also the hardest thing to do. I know some of you are in here saying, oh, but pastor, I've done that. I pray every day. God, you take that person and I name them. God, you take it. But you see, the problem is you say, God, you take it. And then you spend all of your time trying to solve the problem instead of letting God take it. We say, God, you take it, but until you do something, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go over here and try to take care of it, and hopefully you'll step in. And God's saying, I'm not going to step in until you let go of it. You see, some of you, what you need to do this morning is that person that's attacked and that person that's hurt, you need to stand up for truth. You need to get on your knees and say, God, protect my heart. It hurt. It hurt my family. It hurt my coworkers. It hurt my friends. And then say, God, I'm giving this person over to you. I'm not going to worry about my reputation. I'm not going to worry about what everyone is saying or thinking or doing because you'll take care of it, God. And then you need to take your hands off of it and trust him. You see, guys, what you need to understand is all of us are attacked. The moment you say you stand for something, you're going to be attacked. What I love during this whole theme, and you can go and read 15 and 16. I'm not going to get to it because they, they have a celebration. The walls are complete. What I love during this whole time, every time Nehemiah is attacked, every time that he's, he, he's pushed, he's isolated, insinuation, intimidation, they're all trying to come against him. 
I've already told you that he stands up for his principles and he prays. But there's something under this whole passage that he doesn't mention that he keeps doing that's probably the most important lesson for us. He keeps working. Never stops. He had a task to do. Keeps building the wall. Keeps sending men out. You see, the whole goal of the enemy is to get us to quit. To get us to compromise. To get us to back down. Nehemiah said, I may be attacked, but I'm going to keep moving forward. You don't even see it in here. You know, earlier in verses chapter 3 and 4 when he was attacked, it said, but I went back to the wall. But I went back to the wall. Here in chapter 6, it's just understood. Nehemiah was praying and he went back to the wall. You see, the lesson for you and I this morning is whatever God's called you to do, whatever dream you have, whatever vision you have for your family, for your commitment, maybe it's a dream for service that God's given you, keep moving forward. Because the key is you're not alone in it. God, listen, here's a secret I learned a long time ago. God would never have chosen you for the task or given you the vision if he didn't know that you couldn't complete it. See, the question for you and I is what do we do when we face opposition and accusations? I wish I could tell you it's not painful and it's easy, but it's not. See, any cause worth doing is also a cause that someone else will feel they need to criticize. It's just the way it is in life. But I hope that you and I can understand that we can stand and move forward and see God make a difference. I believe this morning Some of you have quit. I believe this morning some of you have given up. I believe this morning some of you have hurt hearts from harsh words. Some of you feel isolated. The enemy is convinced that you're all alone. I I want to tell you this morning, lies, lies, lies. The Bible says the devil is a liar. The truth isn't any. But I know the king of kings who brings hope to those who have been lied to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth this morning. God, we thank you for your example of Nehemiah. Father, I I don't think there's any one of us in here that have ever tried to make a stand, that have ever stood up, that hadn't been talked about, had things thrown at us behind our backs, pulled down. Father, some of us this morning are just discouraged. Father, encourage, bless, lift up. You've given us a vision. You've given us a dream. You've given us a goal. You've given us a task. God, let us don't not quit. There's families depending on it. There's workplaces. There's schools. God, let us be like Nehemiah, trusting you, moving forward. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our time of invitation and Uh, I encourage you while we sing, I'll be here at the front if you'd like to pray, if you're interested in joining the church, I'd like to talk with you. But really this morning, here's the question. It's a question of trust. Do you trust God? Do you really? Then why are you letting what everyone else says and what everyone else does 
cause you to quit. Trust him this morning. That's our hymn of invitation. Only trust him. I pray as you sing this that that would be the declaration of your heart. Would you stand as Brother Charlie comes? Hymn number 317, Only Trust Him.